And one of the big troubles that I found in the recovery program was I didn't find a lot of examples of what healthy sexuality looked like. You know, one of the things that I loved about Sex Addicts Anonymous was it helped me to find it was, it was visible and they have an incredible support network. You know, I could walk to, to a gazillion meetings here in New York City, incredibly supportive group with a lot of literature to help me stop my bottom line behaviors. Bottom line behaviors are like the worst of your behaviors, your chronic acting out behaviors. And for me at the time, it was, you know, stepping out on, on the woman I loved. Also pursuing women who are in committed relationships was a big pattern of mine because that was something that I could see as like a barrier to intimacy. Like I wouldn't, they, like I knew they wouldn't leave their partner, which allowed me to keep a safe distance, you know, like those kinds of things. Sex Addicts Anonymous or sex addiction recovery programs allowed for me to get the help that I needed. But two years into recovery, where like that kind of was, all that stuff was long gone. Where I started to struggle was I, I hit this plateau of not knowing what healthy sexuality looked like. Because most of sexuality in those rooms and those programs was looked at kind of like through the lens of pathology. So for example, if I was walking down a street in New York City and I see a beautiful woman and all of a sudden, I'm just like, wow, take her in. In, 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 in. in the coaching I would get there, it's you just objectified a woman. You know, make amends and, and say you're sorry, kind of like make amends internally and then move on from that. And over time, it started to kind of reinforce this guilt and shame pattern about some of these like natural sexual feelings I had inside of me, which actually is what like, caused my addiction to begin with, like from, you know, as a kid, Catholic school upbringing, you know, sex was a sin. Sex was, was something taboo in my household. Natural desires and urges that came up were automatically labeled bad, labeled sinful. And so I always had to hide them. And as I got into recovery, deeper elements of recovery, I felt a lot of that same energy. So I looked around the rooms and I was like, where are my wise elders who have been in recovery for five years, 15 years, 20 years, who, who like have this vibrant, healthy relationship with their sexuality? I couldn't find anyone. Everyone was still struggling. Everyone still seemed to see their sexuality with more of a negative than, than like something that's life-giving and vibrant. So I had to leave Sex Addicts Anonymous after four years to go and find people like you and others who had built like their lives around healthy sexual connections, Tantra, um, you know, learning orgasms, multi-orgasmic states. And I'm like, how come these people have like, can do that? And I can't like, is there, is there some limiting belief? And so over the last four years, that's been my journey has really been like shedding the layers, shedding. i no longer identify as an addict. And for me, so that's a long winding way to answer your question, which is when I, a relapse for me is very minor now, Cam, and what a relapse really looks like for me, and I wouldn't even call it a relapse. It's when I bring my neediness or anxiety, or like I've got a hole that I'm trying to fill by plugging into someone else's sexual energy and I'm trying to extract it. That is what, um, like a quote relapse would look like for me um, where a lot of like non-addicts do that all the time and don't even know they're doing it, but I at least have that awareness now. 